the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardtlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here on 930 AM The Answer, also on podcasts everywhere and on talklawradio.com. You can also listen on 930amtheanswer.com. You can also find me on Facebook and YouTube. Each episode, I like to talk about some aspect of federal or Texas law or regulation that needs some explaining. Do you have a question about the law? Email me at host at talklawradio.com. That's H-O-S-T at talklawradio.com. Because I'm licensed to practice law in Texas, the state bar is the agency that governs my attorney law license. The state bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information you learn today should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Marquardt Law Firm sponsors our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. New businesses and old businesses which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, family-limited partnerships, And we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in probate court, county court, or district court. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, for our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing, and failing to do your will. Please help Ed Marvin and me give good information about franchise law today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Today we're going to be talking about franchise law with Ed Marvin. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up? I grew up here in San Antonio. Okay. And uh, where did you go to school? Um, went to several schools. Uh, started out at, uh, uh, well, basically I went to high school at Churchill High School and, uh, uh, you know, fed into that, went to private school um, at uh, St. George. Oh, Okay. And where did you go to get your undergraduate degree? I am a proud Aggie, uh, Texas A&M University. Whoop. Uh, so, <laughs> College yeah. Station. College Station, that's correct. Awesome. And what did you get your degree in? So my undergraduate degree is in a, a field called biomedical engineering. Um, it's basically engineering concepts related to the human body. Uh, think about all the medical devices that are, uh, that, that are implanted in people. Uh, the diagnostic equipment that is used uh, to diagnose problems, um, and, and then there's some other, some other aspects of it, but that's essentially what biomedical engineering is. Okay. 
And after you graduated, uh, you worked in that field for a while, right? Well, uh, well actually, I, I worked in uh, – I, I, I did some work in, in my undergrad in that field. And then when I graduated, I did some work as an environmental engineer. Um, when, I, when I got to my, my upper-level courses at, uh, at A&M, I had decided I wanted to go into a field uh, called patent law um, that was – or intellectual property – which was kind of a, a burgeoning field at the time. It's, it's since gotten a, you know, there's a lot more people that are involved in it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I got, I got to the, uh, to my upper level courses. And it's, it's another story as to why I decided to do this, but, but uh, I wanted to be an attorney and use my engineering background uh, as part of, as part of my practice. And uh, an intellectual property attorney needs some type of uh, medical or engineering background, right? Well, to be a to be what is uh, termed a patent attorney, you do have to have a, a background in hard sciences. Uh, that's in order to take the what we call the patent bar. It's a it's a separate bar exam than you and I took for the the, the Texas State Bar. Uh, and so that this is so you can draft and file the patent applications and, and what we call prosecute them at the at the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Um, you can litigate patent cases without that patent being considered a patent attorney, and you can do other aspects of intellectual property without the hard sciences background, such as trademark law, uh, copyrights, trade secrets, et cetera. But, uh, but yes, I mean, I, I wanted to be a, a patent attorney, and, and part of what I do in my practice, in addition to the franchise uh, work that we'll talk about today, is I, I draft patent applications for people who, who have invented something and, and want to seek patent protection. Awesome. Okay. I was going to ask you, about your your transition into the law, so that's uh, good information. Uh, you went to St. Mary's. We were in the same class. Uh, that's how we know each other. So um, after graduating, you went to work for what law firm? Um, I went to go work for the law firm that I'm I'm basically at now. I had a short little stint where I was doing uh, criminal work, and and then I started at the at the current law firm that I'm at, it's called Gunley and Cave PC. Uh, we're an intellectual property boutique. All we really handle is is, is intellectual property issues and, and related litigation, um, as as well as drafting the, the, the patent applications um, and and you know draft uh, seeking trademark protection for people and and copyright protection and and uh, other other intellectual property due diligence licensing stuff like that. I mean, this this is what what our focus is. And somewhere along the way, you got interested in franchising. That's correct. That's correct. Um, How did that happen? Well, franchise is uh, part of a a franchise is you have to have a trademark license. And so we have clients who have registered trademarks. They also have unregistered marks, which we would call – they have common law rights. And we would get people who want to – who essentially want to scale their business. And that's where the, the franchise component comes in. Um, there is a difference b- between a trademark license and a franchise. A franchise involves a trademark license, uh, but, there's, but there's, a, there's a slight difference between the two. So we would have people coming to us saying that they wanted to, basically they, they developed the concept. Uh, they've, got it, they've got it one or Two or three or however many trademarks that they're they're that are associated with their concept, and they wanted to scale it. Well, that's where the franchise piece comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided that that uh, you know this because we had seen it over and over again um, that this would be a good area to to expand my practice from just uh, from the the regular kind of core intellectual property to to this aspect mm-hmm. of it. I've noticed a lot of franchises around San Antonio recently, new ones, not just McDonald's, Taco Bell, and Burger King, but I, I've noticed a, a lot more. Uh, have you noticed uh, more activity? Yes, and I, I think that that's probably because San Antonio is, uh, continues to grow as a city. Uh, and so, you know, when you have a, when you have a, a franchise uh, that, that basically is built, I mean, it could be headquartered anywhere. It could be headquartered in, in any of the 50 states, it could, could, be, a, could be a foreign franchise. Um, but basically, you know, you look at a market and you determine whether or not you think that, that, 
that your your franchise is going to be successful in that market, and and I think that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, interestingly, there are you know several franchises that that started in San Antonio uh, that, that that have expanded, uh, which is kind of an interesting story. But um, so I don't. For example, the the Church's Fried Chicken franchise started here in San oh, Antonio. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Absolutely. Okay, well, we have to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue talking about franchise law with attorney Ed Marvin. So stay tuned. Have you been wanting to learn about a will or a trust but haven't gotten around to it? Now is the perfect time to learn about this vital information. The attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. We educate our children so that they're prepared for the future. Call Marquardt Law Firm at 210-530-4278 to show your family that you are prepared for the future. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Also on podcasts everywhere. If you have a question about franchise law today, you can call in at 210-308-8867 or drop me a line on the Facebook live feed. Or you can just email me at host at talklawradio.com or you can uh, visit the website uh, where uh, Ed Marvin works, uh, that's uh, LeeCave.com, I think. It's uh, www.gun-lee.com. Oh, okay. So it's in have, the, and there's two ends in gun. So I got the order mixed up. So we're talking about taking your business to the next level, possibly, uh, by franchising. Um, Ed's going to talk about the law on that, and then a little bit later we'll talk about uh, how to get your business ready for the franchising. There's a, a lot going on there. So, Ed, uh, tell us a little bit about where the franchise law is located and and what's the short history on that. Sure. So fr- franchise law really uh, started in the late 70s. Uh, what you had is is you had a, a situation where uh, the the federal government, the, specifically the Federal Trade Commission, uh, which I'll refer to as the FTC, the FTC decided that that basically there were there were people who were being taken advantage of. Okay, people were uh, people were being sold things uh, that 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 basically there there was representations being made. If if you buy into this, you know you're going to make lots of money. And and so the FTC decided that that because of of kind of the landscape of, as to what was happening, that uh, there needed to be some regulations passed, right? And the and, and the FTC, you know, they regulate much more than than franchise. Uh, they 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 do the you know the national do not call list um, and uh, just kind of unfair type of antitrust actions, uh, it, kind of in conjunction with with the Department of Justice, but. But basically, the the FTC decided, okay, we need we need regulation. There's there's too many people who are being taken advantage of, so we need to regulate it. And they they passed um, the the original franchise rule that went into effect in the late seventies. Okay, so for a period of time, uh, franchises were were operating under that that federal federal regulation, and then it was the the rule, uh, which we call the rule. The, the franchise rule. It's 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 yeah. uh, it's it's uh, sixteen CFR part four thirty six. The the rule was amended, um, and and the final version of, of of the amended rule went into place in in two thousand seven. We we call that the amended rule. It's not 
<laughs> not, not, not too creative. Not very creative. <laughs> but so we're as we sit uh, today, we're we're operating under what is known as the amended rule. It's it's was was went into effect in two thousand seven, and that's the that's the, kind of the federal regime. Okay, so there's a, there's a federal component here, and, and if if you're if you're offering a franchise or you're offering franchises to people, then you got to comply with this 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 federal piece. There's also a state law piece, okay, and it and it depends on on the states. So uh, here in Texas, for example, um, we have what is called the Business Opportunities Act, and essentially, it, it, the way Texas works is if you can state that you are in compliance with the federal rules, then then you then you're in compliance with the with the Texas rules. Oh, that makes it easy. It makes it super easy in Texas, okay. But there's other states out there. For example, California, Hawaii, uh, I believe Michigan, um, where it, and, and and some others where where their uh, their rules are 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 much more stringent. Okay, and so if you go to offer a franchise in those states, you have to comply with those states' laws as well. It's not just the federal law; it's mm-hmm. it's, it's you have to comply with the the state and the federal. So. You know that that that's kind of the the the, the background, the basis of, of where the laws are. We've got this federal piece that, that that governs everybody, and if you go and offer franchises in in certain states, you, you've got to look at the state law landscape to figure okay. out what needs to happen there. So, is the choice of law based on where the headquarters is or where you're offering the franchise? It's where you're offering, okay. and 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 candidly, you know, the, it's interesting that the term offering. What, what what does offering a franchise mean? Well, it's de- it depends on the state law, okay. Right. So, for example, if you have a website up, you know that's that's accessible in 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 all fifty states, and, and right, really accessible worldwide. Okay. So, are you going to get yourself in a situation where you are offering a franchise? In one of these uh, states that that have have stricter regulations, mm-hmm. and, and get yourself in trouble there. So you just you just have to be very, very uh, sensitive, very aware of that. Okay. So if uh, your business is getting to the point where you think you want to offer uh, franchises to other people to to run a business like you would run yours. Uh, that's what we're talking about with franchise law. And so define some key terms for us, Ed, uh, franchisor, franchisee. Sure, sure. So fran- franchisor is is the uh, person or entity that is offering the franchises, okay? Uh, franchisees are the, the people or entities that have accepted – the, the franchise and, and, and are, you know, operating, you know, maybe an individual restaurant, uh, you know, may, maybe an individual cleaning company under, under the, 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 the franchisors or with the franchisors permission. Okay. Um, and so that's kind of when I, when I say the term franchisor franchisee, just remember the franchisor is the, the person who is offering the franchises and the franchisee is the person who is, is essentially accepted and uh, what the franchisor is offering. What are some key components of a franchise? So under, and, and, you know, I'm going to talk, it, it's, it's too difficult to go into each of the individual state laws. Um, we, we, just, we wouldn't have enough time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to talk generally with, with the FTC, the, the federal regulations, which, you know, governs all the states. Right. Um, so in order for it to be, to qualify as a franchise, it's got, there's, there's three components. All right. The, the first component is there's got to be a, a payment from the franchisee to the franchisor of $615 or more in the first six months. Usually more, right? Usually more, (laughs) usually more. I mean, it kind of can depend on how you structure it. Uh, and there's, and there's ways that, that potentially, um, the, the payment is not made to the to the franchisor directly. Maybe it's made to go purchase the cups or the napkins that have to be used in the in in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, there's got to be this upfront payment, or, or I should say, within the first six months of of sixteen six hundred and fifteen dollars or more. Okay, it used to be five hundred. 
when you know here recently in the in the last few years they they upped it to six fifteen because of inflation I guess. Mm-hmm. So that's the first component. The second component is you've got to have a trademark license. Now, what what that means is is that the franchisor has to have some sort of a trademark or trademarks that they're giving permission to the franchisee to use in connection with their business. So, you know, popular franchise that probably everybody knows about is McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, the Golden Arches. Uh, the name McDonald's, the name's Big Mac, McChicken, or you know what, Chicken McNugget, you know right. whatever. These are all all trademarks. Okay, they're they're in my world they're they're source indicators. So when you go and you're driving down the road, you know with 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 the family or whatever, and you say, well, we want to go to McDonald's. You see those golden arches. You know when you go to McDonald's that you're going to get a certain quality of goods and services. They're going to have a certain menu offering. And, and you're relying on that trademark to, to, to make your purchasing decision, okay? Mm-hmm. So as part of, part of a franchise, the second element is, is you've got to have this, this trademark license where the franchisor who owns the trademark is saying to the franchisee, you can use my trademark. And then the third component, and this is really what differentiates a, a trademark license from a, a franchise situation, is you've got to have the franchisor providing substantial assistance or control. Okay. Now, typically you have both. All right. Mm -hmm. But if it's just substantial assistance, that would qualify or substantial control that would qualify. And again, typically you have both. And so that, that, that key word there is substantial is, is kind of where, where the differentiator is between a franchise situation and, and just a regular trademark license. Um, so yes, if, if, uh, those are the three elements. $615 $615 payment, uh, trademark license, permission to use some sort of a trademark, and and then substantial assistance or control. So let's talk about assistance and control. What forms have you seen th- that take? Okay, so they can take a number of forms. But but to, to kind of understand it, I, I, I think we have to kind of look at what sets up why someone goes and does a franchise. Okay, let's do that. So – Typically, what happens is is, is a, a person, an entity has has developed a, a unique concept, all right, and and it doesn't even have to necessarily be unique. It could just be that they're doing something better than other people, and it becomes successful, all right. Now, as you go and 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 you're you're one person, right? Maybe maybe you got your family members, maybe you got your trusted friends or whatever, but they're helping you run this 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 successful enterprise business. That's right. And you start to say to yourself, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something pretty good here. But there's only one of me, and there's only 24 hours in the day. How can I go and, and scale this so that I can go and offer this wonderful business to, to others? Well, that's where the franchise comes in, all right? When it comes to your, your question about the, the control and what does that look like, well, what happens when, when you're this person who's running this successful enterprise, you start to say to yourself, what is it that I am doing right? What is it that if, if other people are out there and, 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 and offering the stuff that I'm offering and I want it to be successful, what's, what, are my, what are my secrets? What's my, my, my secret? secret sauce? That's right. <laughs> That's right. And so, you know, and it becomes, it becomes a little difficult uh, at, at times to to sit down and and write out why it is that you're successful because you could be running a business based upon you know your values what what you believe you know maybe maybe you're someone who believes in hard work being there all the you know being there uh and and supervising your employees etc you know how, how do you and, and and then there's other little intangibles you know how do you how do you put that down on a piece of paper and say, this is, this is why I'm successful. And it can be duplicated by somebody else. That, that's correct. And so once you get to the point where you, you say, okay, I've, I, I, I think I've got it down. I think I've got it written down as to, as to, you know, what, if, if, if somebody, some third party goes out and does all these things, they're going to be successful like I am. Right. Once you kind of get to that point, that's where the control comes in, mm-hmm. right? Or, or assistance. Because you want your franchisees 
to do what you're doing to replicate your success. And if they don't do it, your concern is, is that it's not going to be successful. So, and it's going to make you look bad. Well, and it's not only make you look bad, but it's, you know, you have a, as part of a a franchise, you have a, you have a franchise agreement. So you have a contractual, uh, you know, agreement with the other side. And if, it doesn't work out is the is the is the franchisee going to come after you and say hey you said i was going to be successful and i'm not yeah so that's where you've got to have those provisions where people say you know follow mm-hmm. and, and and if they follow them then then the hope is that they'll be successful okay we got to take another break when we come back we'll continue talking about franchise law we'll also have our saints and sinners segment so stay tuned to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, also on podcasts, and you can view episodes on YouTube and Facebook. You can go to talklawradio.com and stream previous episodes. Uh, we, we have uh, 148 unique episodes now, and since this is our third segment, it's the Sinners and Saints segment. So I got the idea to talk about sinners and saints from a a theologian named Martin Luther, who in the year 1517 uh, nailed his 95 thesis to to the church door. And what he said is, we're all saints and sinners. The saints are sinners too, but they are forgiven and absolved. So the sinner this week, I'll talk about Alex Murdaugh. He's the uh, attorney that was convicted of murdering his wife and son. The The trial was on TV. It was on YouTube, and uh, lots of people were watching it and talking about it. And uh, it reminded me of another um, sinner that was on TV a lot um, back in, gosh, I don't know what year it was, but that was uh, O.J. Simpson. He wasn't convicted of murder, uh, but did suffer a $35.5 million judgment against him that he hasn't paid. Uh, but he was ultimately convicted of armed robbery in Las Vegas after leading five men, including two with guns, in a confrontation with sports collectibles dealers at a casino hotel. Uh, he's out of jail now, and he's a free man. The, the saint... This week is Sergeant Elmer Calvin Smith, who celebrated his 100th birthday. Um, the reason he was being honored is because he survived uh, Pearl Harbor, and uh, the leadership of the American Legion Post 763 in Beaver Creek presented him with a certificate and honoring him. But he said that really... The honor should go to his brother Walter, who is uh, who died in Leyte in the Philippines at the age of 22, and they grew up in upstate New York. It's interesting to me why there's only two kinds of people in New York: those who live in New York City and those who live in upstate New York. <laughs> they never give the the name of their city; they just say upstate. Anyway, that's the Saints and Sinners segment. Now we'll continue with franchise law. And, Ed, you were talking about the franchise agreement. Um, what goes into that agreement? And, uh, and then tell us also about the, the franchise disclosure document. Sure. So the, the franchise agreement is the <clears> – <throat> I mean, it's, it's the contractual obligations of the franchisor and the franchisee. Um, it, it basically sets forth 
you know what the what the franchisee has to comply with and what the franchisor is is going to provide. And one of those things is usually the payment of a royalty, right? Yes. Yes. That's it, what I've seen. Yes. It it, it it involves the payment of the royalty. A lot of times it'll cover uh, something that's called the advertising fund. Um, uh, so, for example, if, if, if you have a bunch of franchisees and you have the franchisor that's out there that's promoting the franchise, uh, the franchisees will often pay into a community uh, advertising fund that the franchisor gets to, to use to, to promote the brand, to, mm-hmm. to, pro- to promote the franchise. Um you know, it, 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 it's essentially the agreement between the parties. So if you think of any, any, any contract that's out there that, where you've got one party is doing something for another party, it's just the franchise agreement is – there's a lot of obligations, right? So it, it, it tends to be a, a fairly thick document. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's payments made by the franchisee to the franchisor and then the obligations of – how the franchisor is going to help or control the franchisee. That's correct. And, and you know, it can be – the also included can be things like the site selection where the franchise uh, – where the franchisee's location is going to be, be located. It can contain um, obligations of confidentiality, uh, which we can talk about here in a second as far as like the operations manual and things of that nature that, that, the, that the franchisor gives – or gives access to the franchisee, um, and and then you know th- th- this is your secret sauce that we right. were talking about earlier, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't want to just give your secret sauce to somebody, and then that somebody can just go and then take it and and use it, uh, you know, to compete against you. And so you know, there's there's confidentiality obligations. There can be there there's often uh, not what we call non compete provisions. So if the franchisee stops being a franchisee. They cannot then operate a similar type of business mm-hmm. using the secret sauce that they learned from right. the, from the franchisor. Um, so it's you know it's it's a fairly comprehensive document typically, and and, and has a, a number of exhibits attached to it as 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 part of the document. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where okay. So you have this this giant legal document okay that's that's written by an attorney like me that that tries to cover all the all the obligations between the parties. Okay. Well, so this is where part of the, the federal trade commission, the FTC comes into play with their, with their rule. Okay. That, mm-hmm. that, uh, that site that I gave earlier, the 16 CFR 436. So under that, uh, those regulations, the franchisor, okay. The person who's offering the franchise has to prepare and, and provide to prospective franchisees this document that we refer to as the franchise disclosure document, or, or in, in short terminology, we call it the FDD. Okay, the franchise disclosure document. Mm-hmm. Now, as part, what the fran- the the rules they state what has to be in that document. Okay, there's 23 items, and I mean it's it sounds like oh, there's only 23. That shouldn't be too <laughs> tough, right? Well, I can tell you when you when you start to dive into it and and what is actually required uh, under the the the, the rules for each of the 23 items, it's, it's, it's quite a bit of information. Um, in general, what the FDD is doing is it is a document that the, that the Federal Trade Commission requires to be given to the prospective franchisees. And, and it does state this in the, in the, in, in the rules, the, or the, the amended rule that I referenced earlier, the mm-hmm. one that was 2007. It states that the, the FDD has to be in, quote, plain English, close quote. Now, the thinking behind this is that if you're a franchisee or a prospective franchisee, you're looking, you're looking at buying into a franchise, right? You're looking at, at, at going and finding a location, yeah, you know, all, all, the, all the investment that you're going to have to put into this in order to, to open your franchise location. As the prospective franchisee, the, the Federal Trade Commission wants you to understand the deal, okay? They want, yeah. you, to, they want you to understand it. And so that's why it's it has to be written in plain English because you know going back to the late seventies when when all of these the, the, the rules were ri- initially passed mm-hmm. the concern was that people were being taken advantage of okay so they're protecting the the, the the FDD franchise disclosure document is in place to help the prospective franchisee understand the deal 
Okay. So and they can make a decision about whether or not they want to engage in this. That's correct. That's correct. Now, as part of the, the f- franchise disclosure document, the FDD, you have to attach exhibits, okay, as part of it. And, and it's all required in the, in, the, in the 23 items. Some of it might be financial statements. and So item, I believe it's item 19, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yes. Okay, you've got to, uh, to have financial st- statements. You, they have to be audited. Okay, so that the so that the prospective franchisees can can see the uh, you know the, what the audited statements are. What other franchises have been able to accomplish financially? Or no, it's uh, it's actually the franchisor's audited financials. Okay, so the franchisor has to show essentially how good they're doing, right? Okay. Because if you're a prospective franchisee, you you want to know that you're buying into a successful system. Mm-hmm. If you're buying into some a system that that that's underwater, they don't have a you know they're they're in debt. You th- wouldn't want to do that. Well, <laughs> I mean, you may want to, but 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 the but the Federal Trade Commission wants to make sure that you understand that. Okay, right, and that's why that's why that's part of the requirement. Um, other common requ- or uh, other parts of the twenty three items, like uh, I believe it's item nineteen, is the financial performance. Uh, representation. You know what? What representation has been made to the prospective franchisee as to how successful they're going to be? So we call them the FPR. You have to put that FPR in writing and exactly what it is that you're telling these prospective franchisees how successful they're going to be, right? So, and and part of the I said there's a bunch of exhibits. You know, the first exhibit is is the actual franchise agreement. Mm-hmm. So when you get to the point where you're saying, okay, I want to, I want to, I want to start offering my, I want to scale my business, start offering as a franchise. The, the two main documents that you have to deal with, I mean, is, is the franchise agreement and the franchise disclosure document. Those are the two things you've got to have in order to start offering the franchises. Okay. Well, we've got to take another break. We're here with attorney Ed Marvin. Uh, what law firm are you with? Gunley and Cave PC. Okay. He's a, a patent attorney, and he represents uh, businesses that want to offer franchises. If you have questions about that, uh, visit that website or uh, email me at host at talklawradio.com, and I can connect you. Uh, we're going to take a break, so stay tuned. Have you been wanting to learn about a will or a trust but haven't gotten around to it? Now is the perfect time to learn about this vital information. The attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. We educate our children so that they're prepared for the future. Call Marquardt Law Firm at 210-530-4278 to show your family that you are prepared for the future. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm your host, Todd Marquardt, here on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Also on podcasts, uh, you can just search for Talk Law Radio, and you'll see uh, my smiling face there. We're here with attorney Ed Marvin talking about franchise law. Um, but this is the fourth segment, and it, so you know what that means. And now, it's time for the Talk Law Radio Legacy Spotlight. What's your legacy? Sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm. So I like to talk about legacy because uh, I focus on business and estate law, including last wills and living trusts. And the central idea with having a will or a trust is to leave assets to beneficiaries. And uh, that's part of a legacy. So, Ed, I wanted to ask you, um, when you think about legacy, uh, what comes to mind? Well, uh, I guess several things. I guess there's the, the, there's the, the legacy uh, that, that that you leave, uh, who who you were as a as a person. That's right. How that, how they're going to remember you. That's c- correct. And and then and then I guess there's also the the you know the the, the tangible assets that you may leave behind. Uh, uh, you know, val- valued things that that you're 
you know, your children or your, your nieces and nephews or who, whoever you leave them to uh, will cherish because they were a part of you. Yeah, I've seen um, families that fight more about stuff that's not valuable because of the sentimental feelings that they have attached to them. I can understand that. So uh, for yourself, um, can you think of a, a family member that uh, you inherited something from or that you learned a value from? Or do you want to talk about what you hope your kids will remember or receive from you? Uh, so as far as a family member, I'd probably say my, my grandfather, uh, who was also Edward B. Marvin. Oh, okay. So I'm the, I'm the fourth Edward. Oh, okay. Uh, there's, there's, and I then, didn't know that. Yeah. And then my son is, is, is Edward, uh, the, the fifth sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. So that's a legacy there. That is a legacy. The name. Um, and so, uh, I think that, that I, I probably, uh, inherited the, 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 the hard work. I think is is something that that comes actually it comes from both sides of, of my family, both my mom, my mom and my dad's side. But uh, so I think that's a that's an Im, Im, important legacy that I've I guess I've inherited down the line is just, just the ability to work hard. What kind of work did your grandfather do? Uh, my grand well, so Edward, uh, the Edward uh, Marvin, he was he, he did a variety of things. He was a, a dairy farmer. Uh, he ran he ran hay. Um, but, but, but essentially a, a, a farmer, um, and, mm-hmm. and, um, and, uh, so yeah, he, that was part, part of what he did. Um, and just, just very kind of entrepreneurial. Um, and then, you know, and I, and I, and I had the pleasure of, of knowing him for, for quite some time. Uh, he passed away in 2007 and then my, my mom's dad, uh, he passed away when I was a little bit younger, so 1989. So I didn't have a chance to, to get to know him as well, but, uh. But yeah, I just, the he he did the farming and and then uh, and so I guess that's one of the, one of the things that was was handed down is just the, the ability to I, lo- I love to work hard. Okay, that and that's something your kids will remember you by. I think so. Uh, I I think so. I I think more importantly, I I hope my kids remember me as as being a a good dad, a devoted husband, and and just a, a I guess a good person. Awesome. Yeah, my dad's dad was, grew up on a farm in Nebraska, um, but his legacy started when he left the farm. He was the, the only one to leave, and uh, he wasn't a good farmer because he had hay fever. <laughs> and so he didn't enjoy it that much. Yeah. And he didn't have to go to World War II because he had flat feet and asthma. And so... Because of all of his problems, he got to go to college, <laughs> and he became an eye doctor and uh, moved to New Mexico because there were no eye doctors in southern New Mexico. And then my dad became an eye doctor, so the, the legacy was supposed to be for one of the grandchildren to become an eye doctor and take over his, his office. I said, uh, Granddad, I can't pass calculus. <laughs> he said, what's that? You know, he doesn't use calculus, but it's a class that you have to get through in order to get to optometry school. So that's, uh, that's my story about my grandfather that was a, a farmer as well. So let's get back to uh, franchise law. Um, a franchised business might be somebody's legacy, that they passed down. Uh, I can't think of any uh, where that's been in the news recently, but I'm sure that it's done where it's passed down generation to generation. So um, you were talking about the FDD, the Franchise Disclosure Document. Um, What are some other things that go into that uh, somebody interested in franchising their business will probably have to work on to b- before hiring somebody like you. Sure. So it's the I would say the operations manual. Okay. What I would call the ops manual, um, and then that is part of this this fran- the FDD one of the one of the twenty okay. one of the twenty three items uh, that is talked about is is whether or not the franchisee. Or prospective franchisee has been given access to the to the ops manual, uh, and there's ver- a variety of ways you can do that. 
Um, but again, this goes back to the the secret sauce, right? I mean, this is this is your operations. I mean, this is how you do what you do mm-hmm. with restaurants. You know, there might be specific point of sale systems that are uh, that are mandated. There might be specific uh, cleanliness standards. There might be specific hiring uh, practices that that need to to be followed. Uh, but that but that operations manual is is something that's that's typically very closely guarded because it's the secret sauce. Right. Um, recipes. Reci- <laughs> number one, uh, that's probably the biggest uh, as far as the secret of information would be the recipes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how the how the food is made in in, in the restaurant industry. Um, but it, you know this isn't just limited to, to to restaurants. I mean, it could be. You know, you could you could. Uh, I've seen car wash franchises. Um, you know, maybe you've got you know which chemicals you're using uh, to get the car clean. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things that the general consumer doesn't know, uh, and and only if they become a, a franchisee would you give them inf- this information, right? Right. And so, but that operations manual, uh, you know, that's basically that's 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 the the bible as to how to run the how to run the business, and that's something that's that's obviously very closely guarded uh, by the franchisor and and so they will disclose it they will they will show it to the franchisees at you know at, at the at the right time but as as part of the the purchasing process if you're a, if you're a, fr- a prospective franchisee is you might want to look at that ops manual and see how how detailed it is okay Right. I mean, if if you're being told, hey, we've got a great ops manual, we've got a great operation, we'll, we'll tell you exactly what to do. You don't have to worry about it and all that type of stuff. Well, you the 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 way that the 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 Federal Trade Commission looks at this, they say, well, fine, that's fine that you're saying that you've got all this stuff, but you're going to have to actually show it to them. That's part of the the FDD process to you know to to explain kind of the deal. Yeah. Um, so. Operations manual is 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 really a big one, and and that that goes back to uh, what we talked about, I, I believe, in the first segment, where it's you know how do you how do you put down on paper the magic that created right. your business, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, you know being able to do that is is you know when when a client comes to me and they say, okay, I want I want I want to do this, I want I want to franchise, you know, the first thing we're looking at is we're saying, okay, well, how do you do this? 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 And if you if you've already gone in and 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 kind of put down this information, you know before meeting with me, that that can save that can save you some time, right? Save you some expense because and it's good it's good to think about you know you can have the initial meeting where I explain all this stuff, mm-hmm. and then you can leave that meeting and and then we come back and meet again and oh well you need to add a little bit more here you need to add a little bit more there, okay. um, but but the first step in the process is going to be writing down what it is that you do and what makes your um, your business enterprise so successful. I think that writing all that stuff down is part of what makes you successful. You know, having a system to begin with. I, I agree with that. The, the, the thing is, though, is, is many people, they have systems in place that they do because it's who they are. Oh, okay. Right, and 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 so, you know, you might, like I was saying, you know, you might be a, a a very hands-on hard worker, and that's just who you are. And so, you look at things like I don't know, customer service, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you you, you talked, you, you probably talked to people in your law firm about listen, when when somebody comes in the door, you know, this is what I want you to do. I want you to yeah, I want be you to, nice, say hello, <laughs> say hello. You know, what, whatever the case may be, right? right? But if you got to put that down in an operations manual, okay, so that someone goes and they want to start another law. This wouldn't. This is my example. It wouldn't work in the legal field because of, of the state bar regulations, et cetera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but let's just say, right, you, you, ran, you, you run a law firm. You're a business owner. Mm-hmm. You go and you try to, to try to put that in writing to tell people what makes you so successful, right? Have you, have you ever done that? I mean, you might have an employee handbook, maybe, um, and so that might be a good place to start. Well, see, I started the, the operations manual when uh, my staff would irritate me at, by doing something the wrong way. And so I would write down, no, this is how you answer the phone. This is how you schedule an appointment because somebody along the way did it in a way that I didn't like. <laughs> right. Right. So that, 
makes so over, it easier for training too. So over time you've developed it. And like if you, if you were, again, that because of the way that the state bar regs work, it'd be tough to have a, a legal franchise, if mm-hmm. you will. But, you know, if you were to come to me, I'd say, okay, Todd, I want you to, I want you to gather all that written information that you have. Let's bring it in. Let's, let's take a look at it. Let's, let's reduce this down to, you know, what we would call a, a, a operations manual. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I think that's the, you know, that's kind of the hardest thing for, for, for people to, to really kind of grasp is, is getting down in writing why their business is so successful and, and what it is that they've done. Because remember, what you're doing here is, is you're saying, look, franchisees, you have to replicate this. You have to, you have to do this. Do it my way. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, you know, there's plenty of franchises that, that, uh, that have, have that, well, I should say there's plenty of restaurants that were successful or, or, or other businesses that were successful. Then they tried to franchise and it didn't work out because the, they couldn't get the franchisees to replicate what they were doing. Okay. Well, thank you for being on the show. Sure. Uh, we've been talking about franchise law with attorney Ed Marvin, and uh, we're going to have to take another break, except uh, I won't be back for a couple of weeks. Uh, next week, I'm going to New York City, and so uh, we'll have a recorded episode there, um, but then I'll be live after that. So I'll talk to you later. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.